I'm Jethro Jones from Transformative Principle, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Okay, leaders of learning, we are at the quarter century mark, episode 25, and I hope you enjoyed my last episode with Don Wetrick because I got another really great one this time. My guest on this episode is becoming an absolute leader, a leader of learning in the spaces of design and branding. Rabbi Michael Cohen is better known as the Tech Rabbi. This guy is doing some amazing work, and if you don't know, was just named one of the keynoters at this year's ISTE conference, the largest international educational technology conference in the world. My congratulations to Rabbi Cohen for that honor. I can't wait to listen to him at ISTE. If you're going, I hope you're as excited as I am. Also, if you're going, let's connect. I'll be presenting on Sunday. Rabbi Michael Cohen will be keynoting on Tuesday. Definitely come find us. Here is my interview with The Tech Rabbi. I'm honored and privileged to have as my guest on this episode, Rabbi Michael Cohen. Rabbi, welcome to the show. And uh, for the listeners, please, if you could introduce yourself, who you are, where you are, and what you do. Well, thank you for having me. Super excited to have what I know will be an exciting conversation. So my name is Michael Cohen, and I am right now a director of innovation at a boys high school, Yula Boys High School in Los Angeles. And that's where I live. And my drive right now is just focused on on student empowerment through creativity and taking a look at all of the incredible tools that students have at their disposal to create incredible content, to share their messages and give them a sense of, of opportunity and a sense of, of passion and potential when, yes, we're learning and we're developing knowledge and academic skills, but there's some real world and, and really powerful skills and awarenesses that I'm trying to offer students so that they can really do incredible things in their life. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, for everyone listening, again, I've said this so many times, but, you know, the show is all about being a leader of learning and uh, how educators can lead regardless of the roles that they're in or the titles that they have. And and I think you're you're doing that. I, I think what the work that you've been doing, inspiring that kind of student creation is, is really admirable. I don't know if you remember this. We met extremely briefly in person once, and it was on the expo hall floor at ISTE in San Antonio last summer. So we don't know each other well in person, but I, I've followed you for a while now, and, and I can tell that uh, that you're really leading that kind of learning. And so I wanted to ask you this. Your website describes you as a designer and technologist turned educator. So I know you gave us a little taste for like why you do what you do, but how did that all come to be? How did you get into the education space? So it's been a it's been an interesting journey. You know, if you asked me 15 years ago if I'd ever get into education, I wouldn't take the question serious. I stumbled upon an opportunity to teach graphic design courses at Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in downtown Los Angeles. 
just as a, you know, sort of giving back, so to speak, to a, a profession that I was successful in, paving the way for the next generation of designers and, and creators. And something happened there. I finished the first semester and I got back this a student, student reviews, student feedback. And they were filled with this very, very foreign sort of conversation or, or feedback that I wasn't used to just because it wasn't something that was part of my industry, which is you empowered me, you gave me these new tools that I feel now that I can just do incredible things. And we loved having you as an instructor. And that was something that for me was empowering, but I, I never would have expected. I just figured I'm going to do this maybe a couple of times, a couple of semesters, you know, in, in the work that I'm doing. I, I worked in, in the nonprofit sector, uh, communications, marketing, Uh, Now it's called digital storytelling, but I basically helped various nonprofits uh, create a brand identity, create a a sort of relationship with the people that they served. And I did this for about eight years before I got into education. I transitioned to a full-time educator, part-time designer, and then took up a role about, now it's about seven years ago, uh, as a director of education technology for a K-8 school. And we did some incredible work there. I left the school to then become a full-time consultant and really just kind of traveling the country and the world a little bit to, to spread the, you know, the creative mindset and the designer mindset. And then in December, after really missing being, being at, a, at a school that I could say I could call home, I, I took up a role that would allow me to continue to do some of the work I do on the side as the tech rabbi, but really make a, you know, a sustainable and, and, and a bigger impact. You talked about why you do what you do, and a lot of that gets back to having students create. I guess I'm wondering, why is it, I, I kind of know the answer, and, and this is something that drives me in my work as an instructional coach as well, but why is it so important now to, in terms of the technology that's out there, get the technology into the hands of the students to create rather than just consume content with the technology? So there's a couple components to to answer that question, and the, the the world of technology and the internet are evolving at such a rapid pace, and it's really up to us as educators to be aware of it and to support students' awareness around how legitimate social media is now, basically the internet, and how important it is for students to understand that basically today, if you run a business and you don't have a audio or a video or a social media presence, you're nearly irrelevant. And that doesn't mean that you need to have millions of followers. That, that's not what it's about. And I have, you know, depending on you know, how this conversation goes, I can share uh, some interesting uh, anecdotes of that uh, if appropriate. But basically just understanding that, as, as you said earlier, we hadn't had a chance to interact and engage with each other face-to-face in person very much, but we do have this connection and hopefully we'll develop this connection even more. And I have this type of relationship with dozens, hundreds of educators all over the world that some I've never met and I have conversations with on a regular basis. Some I've met once or I get to see once a year and we support each other and we improve and refine our craft because of each other. And students need to understand that doctor, lawyer, business owner, a uh, somebody who's you know in middle management at a corporation find me a industry find me a profession and i will show you how understanding visual communication and creative tools understanding how to connect with people and share the story of the work that you do on social media and on the internet 
is what will separate 10 years from now, the people that will be sought after to the people that will be mediocre. Yeah, no, I, I get it. That's cool. Uh, you kind of alluded to uh, sort of seeing where this conversation went. Maybe you could give us some examples or share some anecdotes. Where were you going with that? Well, you know, for me, I I think I have uh, a a strategic social presence. And that means that, you know, do I wish I had 50,000 Twitter followers? Yes. Can you buy 50,000 Twitter followers? You sure can. I think the point uh, that's confusing, especially for our youth, is that it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And so I think that although I try my best to broaden my ability to distribute the, the work that I do and the content that I share, I get my content to the right people. And I think that that's something that's really important. I, I have a, an entrepreneur studio course that I created at this high school. That was one of the reasons that they brought me on. And I have, I'm having these conversations with students, literally high school students who are being hired by companies, small businesses. Usually it's a family friend or you know a friend of a friend. We're like, oh, you, you kids are on social media. You should be my social media manager. And, and getting the students to understand that it doesn't mean retweeting and and reposting, you know, just random stuff or basketball memes. It means you you actually have to understand, you know, how to distribute, how to get content to the right people in a meaningful way. And it all goes back once at the end of the day to meaning and value between the the creator and the consumer. And it used to be that students at the age of you know eight to to twenty were automatically labeled as consumers and not creators. And now you have YouTube and you have these incredible apps that simply and beautifully create content. I just released uh, uh, one of my weekly tech tutorials on Adobe Spark Video that is so simple to put out powerful video content. And and the students just, they need to have this. So you don't need 100, you don't need 10,000, you don't need 100,000 of anything. You have to get your content to, to the right people. And I think that once the students understand this, they'll be more willing to put in the work and more willing to to experiment because they're not nervous that, oh, I didn't get 100 likes on this, so it's not worth anything. Yeah, no, I think those are amazing points. And I think it uh, it certainly kind of gets into the conversation and the discussion about branding and personal branding, too. You mentioned uh, your, your social media presence. And uh, I mean... Heck, I have a seven-year-old son who, who I think at this point is starting to take an interest in, you know, some of these, not necessarily social media, but multimedia creation tools, especially YouTube. And the other day, actually, funny, he asked me uh, how old he needed to be or, or if he was old enough to get onto Instagram yet. And I said, no, 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 not yet. Definitely not. Not at seven. But um, yeah, no, I, I see kids and, and students taking an interest in these kind of things. And, and I think it's great. And that's why I like the work that you're doing and and I wanted to uh, discuss that with you. So I definitely want to get to some more of your projects. But first, uh, I I was wondering if you might be able to share with us a little bit. I know you mentioned Adobe Spark. Some of your kind of go-to tools for the student content creation and also maybe if you have any just project ideas or projects that you've been a part of or that your students have been a part of that uh, have really stood out to you. Sure. So I'm a big fan of Apple products. I think they're incredible machines. They are very expensive. So while I, I'm an advocate and, a, and an, a, um, you know, an evangelist for, for Apple, I'm an Apple Distinguished Educator, but I also have to be sensitive that not everybody can afford you know, a $1,000 laptop to distribute you know, and create a one-to-one program. 
So I'm I'm really big on on the Apple products. I think this this new release um, everyone can create, which is I mean I, I haven't even delved into the full depths of the updates, but I'm finding myself as a person who I have to to admit I never use pages for anything. I'm I'm now looking at this because they have this book publishing ability now, and they're just incredible all around incredible apps. Keynote. You can do animation. You can do just incredibly beautiful uh, content presentations there. And I'm, I'm pro that. And so if your school has iPads, if your school has MacBooks, iMacs, whatever it is, those, those apps are incredible. Why I'm pushing Adobe so much with their, with their Spark, and they, they have all these other, you know, for iOS, all these other apps for free, the, the Photoshop and the, the, the Lightroom and the Capture, but their Spark apps are so simple. I agree. Uh, I was actually in a Twitter chat recently, too, where I was discussing this. But uh, a few weeks back, I was asked to do a Google Classroom training in my district. And instead of creating a boring old Google Slides presentation or PowerPoint presentation, I just made a an Adobe Spark page. And uh, it, it was visually appealing. It was simple, but yet professional looking, I think, is the best way I can describe it. And I think the teachers who were in on that training really appreciated it. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the time it takes to share how to, how to do it is 20, 20% from what it used to be. You know, for me to teach a, a workshop on, you know, iMovie, you know, that's, that's a three-hour workshop. And they might not even feel comfortable with the platform at the end. With Adobe Spark, I could get through post and video. I try to only do two out of the three at a time in, you know, in, in 20 minutes. And then I spend the rest of the time with the workshop exploring content ideas and, you know, the, the, the amount of flexibility because it's so simple and so versatile really allows even a, you know, a second or third grade student. I've never seen a first grade student, but I'll, I'll just share my own, my own personal examples. My, my son, he says to me a couple of weeks ago, he says, uh, you know, he calls me the, 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 the nickname in, 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 uh, in Yiddish for, for, for dad is, is Tati. So he says, he says, Tati, what's that app that you use to make all of your, your graphics. So I was, you know, I didn't have to think twice. Adobe Spark Post says, I want to use that for my book report. I'm like, okay, he's, he's eight years old, third grade. I sit him down, I show him, you know, the app. And literally all I showed him how to do was when you move an object around these yellow lines that pop up, that's to help you center things. I walk away. He searched his own photographs. He put together all the written content. We ended up printing it because, you know, the school's still a bit analog. And he, he created this incredible graphic poster. And for me, it was, it was mind-blowing. I gave an app to a third grader. He knew what he had to do with it, and the app did not get in the way. Sorry, I have a follow-up question, I suppose, just because it, it piqued my interest. Uh, your son is how old? He's eight years old. Eight. Now, how was that, how was that digital project received by the class or by the teacher? We got incredible feedback. You know, good, uh, good. I mean, besides getting an incredible grade, he had the best looking design. He had people interested in looking at it. It drew them to his work. And his teacher's feedback was just incredibly striking visual. I'll tell you why I asked that question. Um, Several episodes ago now, uh, I don't even remember what number it was, but I interviewed Mary Alice Curran and Curran D. I don't know if you know them well, um, but Curran is, and Mary Alice both, they're they're really into digital citizenship and student voice. And Curran shared 
uh, a project that he had done one time making a diorama, but he didn't want to make your traditional old like shoebox, cardboard box kind of diorama. He did his uh, digitally and he embedded a QR code into what would have normally been a traditional diorama. But anyway, long story short, the project itself did not receive great feedback. He was graded down because he didn't do it the, the right way. His teacher was expecting a more traditional product project, and he gave a, a more digital version. And anyway, it was a sad story, to be honest, uh, for, for edu- all educators like us who are trying to really move education and technology in education forward. Yeah, you know, it, it's we're, we're in we're in a transition where especially in education, there, there still is a chance for out-of-the-box distribution and out-of-the-box kind of products can cannot be appreciated, even though the content was there, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it, it really requires a, a lot at a school. And if, you know, if that teacher doesn't feel supported by the administrator for out-of-the-box, then they could be nervous. So I'm, 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 I'm always cautious to, to place the judgment on, on specific individuals. I think that a lot of the times there is a condition where we're conditioned to think this way and we're feel, fearful. Some educators are fearful for, for, for their jobs. They're fearful for, you know, how they will, it'll be a reflection on, on them. Um, even if it's something that's, that's incredible. Um, but I think, yeah, that- and I th- and I think fearful too that uh, it might not cover or master the standards the the way that it's supposed to, or you know, align to uh, the you know the standardized testing or whatever it might be. So I, I get that; it's a good point. The Leader of Learning Podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network: podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. The Leader of Learning Podcast is also a proud member of Voice Ed Radio, changing the way you talk about education. To listen to more great education content, please visit voiceed.ca. Well, it, it's, it's funny. I'll, I'll just share quickly. I, there's, you know, I have a book coming out in the fall, and uh, the title is Educated by Design, which is my overall project. Uh, that I've been working on for a couple of years now, and let me let me pa- pause you for a second, and and let's uh, make everybody believe that uh, this was going to be my next question because it was. And so, uh, what, when I follow you, I know that you have. I feel like every other day you have a big announcement that that comes out. So, uh, if you could please explain, educated by design, and also if you could give us a little teaser, a little hint about the book you're working on. Cool, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so that that was a that was. Uh... A big, a big surprise uh, for me in in August. Um, I love writing, and I, I publish a lot of content. And I, I've always dreamed of, of having a book. Um, never would I have thought that I would be doing anything but self publishing. <laughs> and I, I reached out to to Dave Burgess and his uh, publishing company, and I pitched this idea. It was actually round two of uh, my proposal, and th- the premise is that there are there are fundamentals of design, whether it's human-centered design, product design, classical design, that will allow for you to really see the world differently and develop a creative eye that will let you do incredible things. And it sounds very abstract, but at some point, you develop the confidence to identify these components that I outline in the book, and then you're ready to do something with it. So I do have a toolkit at the end. It's like, okay, 
you know, here's some scripted things. But after reading this book and reading it hopefully a couple times, you should start to really be open to exploring your own unique ideas because you you have these markers that you can check as you go. And one of the things that that is in in the toolkit is this sort of quasi like it's project based learning, but I, I like this this word that was coined um, a while back, design driven. And it basically maps out the following scenario. We all have values that make us who we are. And usually you you stick to your values and you make decisions based on your values. So if you could establish what are good values, good character, and you could use the design thinking process, how could you then identify and solve or improve some challenge in a community? And then they, the students have to define what community is. And I'm sandboxing this this experience right now. And the feedback that I'm getting from the students um, is, you know, I would need somebody to walk me through this the whole way, or I would need to be told like what steps and then I would do them. And if you see where I'm going with this, school has conditioned students to rec- to, to be almost helpless in certain uh, in a certain sense. And yeah, sure. what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to break that mold and really get this opportunity to have a, an abstract experience that then can be uniquely um, turned into something actionable. And one of, one of the reasons that, that, that gets me excited about sort of this, this, the work that I'm doing is that I'm, I'm sandboxing the whole process outside of a traditional classroom space. And, you know, we talk about genius hour, 20% time, you know, innovation time, whatever we want to brand it as. But what I did was I created a lunch elective because to tell a school, oh, you need to create a period is is very difficult. Um, but that's what will happen next year at the school that I'm at. Uh, this entrepreneur studio is going to become a period for ninth and 10th graders and then 11th and 12th, 12th graders respectively. But I started it as a lunch elective and they come in on their own time. It's a four credit course, but it's during their lunch. And they are given a certain background. I give them access to resources that they might have never realized exist. And they embark on either developing skills that they feel resonate with them uh, or develop a company or a service. And some of them fail. Some of them get through eight weeks in and realize, well, this service already exists and I just was bad at researching. And all of, however far they get is a teachable moment. It's a moment to learn. It's a moment to reflect and, and really figure out how to grow from it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's rooted in these principles that, that I've created. And it's, you know, just to, you know, quickly sort of break them down. Um, Cause I, I think it's important to sort of give the context and hopefully get some of your listeners to, to check out some of the work that I'm doing in that space. So the, the first one is that, you know, creativity is a mindset. It's not a, um, it's not a skill set. I think that, that that's really important because what's happening nine times out of 10 in, I, I wouldn't even, it's not just the education space, like in general, when people hear the word creativity, they think of some sort of ability, whether it's artistic or musical or, or culinary, you know, whatever, whatever it is, but it's, it's, it's that, it's that process of, you know, oh, I, I, I'm creative because I can do this, Right. So that's that's the first piece. Second piece is that failure is a not a destination. Failure is a, is a process on on a journey, and I think that that is something that 
that people just they they struggle with, right? They 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 want to experience something where they don't fail, that they just get it right the first time. And that's the, there there's no there's no such thing in 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 the space of innovation and, and really in the real world. So it's part of a journey. Um, I don't want to drag these out too too much, so I'm really just going to go down the line. Uh, number three is that empathy and value is what equal meaningful work. That if you have an empathetic lens and you're always trying to pride, provide value, creativity will flourish. The fourth is that collaboration is a prerequisite for innovation. Uh, there's no such thing anymore as, as isolated and individual innovation. Everything incredible that has come out in the past 45, 50 years has all been due to collaborative process. The fifth is that good ideas need to be acted upon, and we need to stop leaving them in this, oh, I have a good idea space. Uh, number six is that technology is a tool that we all need to master, and that has a sliding scale, of course, but we, we need to be able to succeed with the tools that we have at our disposal. Seven is the that perfection is a fallacy that keeps you at 0%, and eight is that creativity is about quality, not quantity, and you need to celebrate those small moments. Number nine is that creativity requires not just your passion, but your soul. And number 10, which I feel is really the linchpin of all of it, is that humility creates the space for creativity to thrive. So those, those sort of build out into uh, stories of my experiences, um, lesson ideas, and then they really tie in at the end to these, these uh, toolkit uh, projects and, and, and sort of processes that you can start to experiment with as you build up your own confidence to act on your own. That's, that's great. I, I think um, you know, that's some toolkit there. I think that uh, anybody who reads the book and students uh, can learn a lot from it. It's, it's, that's pretty deep stuff, and I think that's great. I think that's uh, so important for today's students uh, to know some of that stuff. So uh, once again, when, when do you expect that book to be out? So I'm hoping for the fall. I know that's a large um, time block. Sometime around October, it really is going to depend on a couple things, but that's that's the the hopeful uh, release date is is fall 2018. Awesome. Well, uh, congratulations and good luck with the the rest of the process. And we look forward to that coming out hopefully in the fall. Uh, I want to thank you so much for your time tonight and and being my guest here on this episode. Uh, again, good luck and, and congratulations on everything. And I, you dropped in a little Yiddish before, so I'm going to say in Hebrew, Toda, Rabah. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think it was a great conversation, and I'm. I'm honored to, to be part of the, the story that you're sharing with your audience. My thanks again to Rabbi Michael Cohen. Please go ahead and find him if you're not connected with him already at The Tech Rabbi, educated by design. Again, this episode is scheduled to release on June 11th, which is just a couple weeks away from the ISTE conference. Please connect with us and find us there. Again, I'm presenting on Sunday morning a session called top tech tools for coaches. And of course, Rabbi Cohen is keynoting and also presenting some sessions. I know he's involved in one on podcasting that I'm very interested in attending. But for now, thanks so much for listening. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite way to listen. Also, if you like what you heard, Please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. And don't hesitate to leave a positive review on iTunes or whatever service you use to listen. For more information, head over to leaderoflearning.com. There you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, 
Ways to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Boxer. Sign up for our newsletter and even how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again. And remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a Leader of Learning.